0: Welcome to a very special fifth episode of It's a Packed Life podcast. On every fifth episode of the show, it's going to be me and my family, or me or my family. (laughs) Mm. Today, though, since it's June, it's Pride Month, and I thought it would be a great time for our family to talk about the queer code, our very own queer code. That's what my son's calling it. So we're going to adopt that. And welcome you to our family's rainbow. <laughs> so uh, in getting going with this, first, I'm just going to let you know who all's here with me. Today, I have with me my husband, Corey. Hello. And our son, Rory. What's up? And yes, they're my Oris. <laughs> <laughs> when I need something anymore and it doesn't matter which one it is, I can just go, Ori! And see who answers. <laughs> yeah. It works.
1: It does work.
0: Very much so. So, and with that, like uh, a lot of people probably are wondering, did we name our son Rory to sound like Corey? No,
1: no, we didn't. I got that name myself.
0: Yes. Rory has chosen his own name and we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but before we get to that part, I think it's important for as far as life being packed, right? We're going to do a little unpacking today. And we're going to talk about how Corey and I grew up Mormon and what that means as far as a queer journey for our child.
2: Yeah, Mormons are very fundamentalist Christian-wise when it comes to their, <clears throat> excuse me, to the review of heterosexual lifestyle
0: heteronormative don't yep. call it a lifestyle actually that's so triggering for me okay and i'm going to explain why i mean that's how it was framed to how us. we were growing up correct it was, correct? It was yeah. called a lifestyle because
2: they thought it was a choice
0: but when you call it a lifestyle you diminish the humanity and the reality of the fact that it's not a choice that people are born the way that they're born and that they have like that would be like me saying, oh, Corey, you're a man. That's such a weird lifestyle.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, it would be like that, right?
0: It is like that. That's exactly what it is.
2: But it, that's how they view it. And they, that's still how they view it. Is they still view it, the Mormon church as that's a choice. But and it's, that's what we were taught.
0: When we were growing up, it was completely taught like it's a sin. It's of the devil. It's hedonistic. There's nothing righteous, good or holy about it. And it was taught that they did not accept the fact that people are born the way that they're born. It was completely as a choice. Now in the in about the last since 2015 no let's see it took them three years after the November policy so that would have been 2017. So since 2000 so the last five years, they have started to change the way that they talk about that publicly and they now accept outwardly that, Say outwardly, it's not a choice. People are born the way that they're born, but that it has given to them as an obstacle to overcome. That acting, this is what they call, I'm doing parentheses quotes because I don't agree with this, acting out on it is still a sin. So it's fine that you're gay, you but you can't do anything about it. You need to be celibate for your whole life or marry into a straight looking relationship. And there are a lot of people that are, have been pushed into those relationships over the years saying that it will fix things or it'll make it better for them. And then, you know, you've got down the road people getting divorces and things because God, it's just not fair
2: No, to either couple
0: to either person in that relationship to have someone not being free to live as who they are and to show up as how they are. So how did we get from where we grew up to where we are now happily, openly, and supportively raising a queer child? I'm going to go all the way back to 2008 when California was pushing for Prop 8. Just for a quick recap on what Prop 8 was for anyone who doesn't remember or is vague on the history, it was a voter initiative to have California no longer recognize and have it be part of their the state's constitution to not recognize same-sex marriage. The Mormon church, as well as a lot of other religions, really um, hard core doubled down and pushed to activate and move their congregants to get really engaged in making sure that Prop 8 passed. If you... Just Google Prop 8 and the Mormon Church, you'll see that about $20 million came from the Mormon Church in order to push that to pass. It then ended up going to through the judicial process. It was overturned by the Supreme Court. It took until 2013 for that to um, be completely resolved and taken care of. That's a, just a quick synopsis of the Mormon church's involvement in the whole prop eight debacle and how that played out. And the Mormon church got very involved in the politics around that. Yeah. And the narrative was, if we let this happen, then all of these horrible things are going to spiral. And next thing you the know, family
2: is going to be destroyed
0: and and <laughs> pedophiles will be wanting to marry children and blah, 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 blah.
2: Right. It really made Celeste question, and it made me cringe. But overall, I just kind of ignored it.
0: My thinking was: if they're getting married, how does that even affect anybody else's families? Like, why are we against someone else creating a family in this world where there's so little love? Why are we trying to make people's love toxic, or or to tell them that they don't have a right to love who they love? What they do in their home doesn't affect what I do in my home. How is it? And even thinking of it still as A choice, right? How is it any different than if they drink alcohol or coffee, which are also things that are seen as sins in the Mormon religion, someone drinking coffee in their house doesn't affect me in my house. Exactly. And so that's where I was coming from at first. And then I saw this episode where Jimmy Kimmel was asking people, he was doing interviews on the street, and he was asking people if they believed that it was a choice to be gay. And when they would say yes, he would be like, oh, that's awesome. Okay, so when did you make the choice to be straight?
2: That statement really stuck with me because it was like, well, I never made that decision. I just am. And I thought, oh, well, shit, that is. Totally blows out everything in my mind of what I had been growing up with, or even that I was still trying to hang on to for some silly reason.
0: Because we were talking about Prop 8 and the way the Mormon church was handling things and stuff. I was sitting on the bed in our house in Utah, and you were standing in the doorway. And I don't know if you remember the specifics of the conversation other no. than just the impact that it had
2: the, the impact for me was like when she relayed the conversation or, or the skit that jimmy kimball was doing and said well when did you choose to be straight that statement i mean it really hit me because i can never in my life think of a time where i thought am i or am i not it's just
0: you know and it's interesting because not too long ago we were hanging out with a couple friend of ours that also grew up Mormon and are no longer like we are. And the wife is bi. And she said that for her, it was like she made a choice between whether or not to go after a man or a woman as far as her attraction, because she had attraction to both. And that was fascinating to me.
2: So in that regard, it is a little different because you're attracted to both. So it right. Compared asking I don't us, know. Just, do
0: you not, like that doesn't make any sense to you. I was like, no, it makes no sense. to me. And part of it, too. I was sexually assaulted when I was 13 and I was very anti guys because it was a protection for me. And I remember wishing it was a choice because it would have been so much easier for me to not have to deal with the trauma if I could have just been attracted to women. And I wasn't.
2: And that's something like, of course, it's a lot of the talk you hear in the Mormon Church as well. It's probably because they were assaulted or, you know, molested as a child, and that's why they've chosen that, you know, or that's why they feel that way. But it's it's not. It's like Jimmy Kimmel. And and a lot of times, did you make the choice? Nobody does. A
0: lot of times, when you grow up in any environment that doesn't see or validate you or who you are, and you know inside yourself that you don't fit into that. There's a vulnerability and predators sense that vulnerability big time. And so kids who are gay growing up in those situations are bigger target. And I don't have anything to back that up outside of just anecdotal references and conversations with people that I know who in combating this conversation have said, I already knew I was gay. And I didn't fit in. And part of why I didn't speak up and it continued as long as it did is I felt like because of my attraction, somehow it was my own fault. So anytime you have someone who is a predator, they're always going to prey on people who are most vulnerable. And unfortunately, then this narrative that was being given as like a reason that maybe this was happening, like maybe this is why they're gay and how we can justify still loving someone who's gay. And this was in the 90s when this narrative was really prevalent in Utah, in the Mormon church, you weren't in Utah, though, you were in California. So in the Mormon church, this was a narrative that was out there. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's extremely problematic. And I started looking at when I would hear that I was like, well, then why am I not attracted to women? Because I would much rather be attracted to women. But it started this journey for Corey and I, that was separating the way that we felt from the way that we had been raised to believe as far as gender identity and sexual orientation was concerned. So moving forward to 2014, I had already distanced myself from the Mormon church. I would, I, from the time that my baby was born, I was super uncomfortable with several of the teachings and things, and I didn't want to raise my child in it. And I started realizing if I'm not okay with this for my child, why am I okay with it for me? And we were moving, I was moving along in that way. Corey was still really holding on to the belief system, kind of white knuckling it a little bit at that point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, com- it was something I was familiar with. I don't know that I want to say it was comfortable because I never felt comfortable inside the church. I never felt welcomed. at least not overall. I mean, there's certain little inc- incidences or individual times that I did, but overall I never felt that welcome or that friendly. Like
0: you fit into the box. Though. Yeah.
2: And, but because it was what I grew up with, it was my family. So I, I kind of was you know, like, so I said, I was trying to just squeeze onto that bar and hold on to it for,
0: well, I mean, and no
2: justification. You, well, but,
0: but when you it don't, don't diminish that for yourself. Cause when you grow up with something your whole life and having it drilled into you and, and taught to you and given to you, you know, every Sunday at church, um, in your home with people talking about it and it doesn't matter That my family was more staunch with it than yours was. It was still very prevalent in every aspect of the life, you know, youth activities. Like, you know, it had just been around for forever. You served a Mormon mission, and that's high intensity indoctrination for a couple of years.
2: Right. And yeah, very, and they also do, they're they're very guilt driven. They want you to feel guilt, like you have to be there. If you don't, you're going to be going to hell. Not,
0: well, because if you don't, you're not a good person without their guidelines.
2: Yeah, exactly. So that was my part of think thing was, was letting go of the guilt and not letting it drive me to stay because I was feeling guilty. And shame. Shame. Yeah.
0: I'm going to go past guilt and go straight to shame.
2: And so once we could start to look at, realize that one thing was wrong, then it was easier to look at what else was wrong for me. Because obviously they were wrong about, you know, the LGBTQ Community and L- I, yeah, I did. LGBTQ,
0: LGBTQ plus
2: plus community or IA. Yes. All right. So they were wrong about that. They obviously had to be wrong about other things. And it opened my eyes to things that I already had kind of seen, but wasn't willing to acknowledge. So yeah. then and we, we we'll moved do, away from all We'll do that. this
0: in another episode sometime. I, but I want, I'm trying to touch on how we got to where, because at this point in time, okay, so now we're going to go to 2014. Um, We had left Utah. Corey had retired from the Air Force. We moved to North Carolina. I did not want Rory to get baptized at that point, but Corey really wanted to. And it happens at age eight. We went through with the baptism because it was really important to Corey. And so I was supportive of that. And then in 2014 in November, the Mormon church came out with what is now known as the November policy. And it's actually not talked about a lot by active members anymore because it became this whole big thing. So for a child to get baptized in the Mormon church, they have to have parental permission. It's already has been in the handbook for forever. When I served my mission back in 1998, 99, it was part of the way they taught things back then. Now in 2014, they came out and said, children of same sex parents cannot get baptized until after they're 18. So they took out the aspect of even asking the parents for permission.
2: Which is really quite ridiculous because if you have two people that are that forward thinking and allowing their child to attend a church that teaches everything that they are is wrong, but they're still willing to let them go and learn and be baptized. Why
0: why would a God turn those children yeah, away if exactly. the parents are that forward thinking?
2: it was asinine to say the least. It it would do that. So
0: it's purely a hate policy. Yeah. And I know that most of my Mormon family disagrees with that, but I'm sorry. It, the only reason for it is exclusionary. And they said it so we don't create conflict in the home. There is no conflict in the home. If the parents are already giving permission.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, there's no reason for that policy.
0: Absolutely. And three years later, they flipped it and said, uh, no, that's, not, we didn't mean that. And they kind of had backtracked, but it, for me, it was too late at that point. That was, that was the final straw for me. And I said, I'm sorry, but this kind of a hate policy, I can never get behind. Um, there were a lot of other things that had come up. And again, we'll address that some other time as we go through, you know, talking about our own journeys with intentional living and stuff. So my child was eight at this point, had nothing to do with anything that my child was exhibiting at that point in time because my my baby had been born as a female came out very strong-willed came out
1: <laughs>
2: very strong-willed
0: extremely i i was never a super girly girl i really was very resistant to the pink and purple aspects of having a little girl her um, the nursery was Peach and dark green with some lavender accents. You know, baby outfits, I leaned towards lime green and yellow. But when my child started developing the ability to reach for what they wanted, it was pink and purple and loved the dresses and the high heels and the frills and painting toenails and painting. You know, and and I bring this up because it's going to play into things later as we're coming down, because we're going to unpack what we look at as in gender roles and the way that we assign gender to things like fingernail polish or makeup or clothing that has nothing to do with gender other than a cultural Mm -hmm. assignment. So that being being said, um, I was raising what I consider to be an extremely girly girl. And as we were moving, we moved then into middle school. And this is probably a good time for you to jump in, Rory. Um, I think it was
1: seventh grade that um I was in Yulon Chorus and I had some really good friends in it. And just there was a lot of like I had a lot of really cool friends from at the time, both genders, because at the time I, I wasn't even really um, exposed very much to the um, queer community. Not very much. But I already kind of. Figured out, I don't really like just guys, but I didn't really know how to explain it other than I like both. And it was, a, there was a couple in sixth grade, but it was mainly in seventh grade where I really noticed I was having more crushes on, at the time, like the girls than the guys. But I still would get crushes on the guys, but I noticed I had more on the girls as I was like noticing that I do have an attraction
0: to both. So one day Rory comes down this in our townhouse in um, Lake Park in North Carolina and is sitting on the stairs and gets this like kind of giggly and is sitting there and says, so I have a girlfriend. Do you remember this? <laughs> Not quite. So it wasn't like a big impactful moment for you.
1: No, I honestly don't remember this.
0: It threw me for a loop. Were you there when that happened? That it was just me. It was at home at that point. I was just kind of like, wait, what? (laughs) Because the only time I'd ever seen like a physical giggling or blushing or that kind of a like physical reaction on the outside (laughs) had been around crushes around boys. Yeah. And it had, it was very obvious to me when my child had a crush on a boy from the first time, like we were in a grocery store when Rory was probably four or five, maybe six, somewhere in there. And there was this little boy with his mom that was maybe a year or two younger. And Rory was just like, Oh, mom, I have this feeling in my chest. That boy is so cute. And That seemed very normal to me, you know, because that and I'd never seen him respond or react in that way around any girls. And so it really threw me for a loop. And I was just kind of like, uh, what just happened? I'm trying
2: to remember how I handled that, you know, because over time, your mind
0: shifts, shifts, you know, I don't think that outwardly either of us said anything negative or anything no. because we were just kind of like, Oh, okay. But talking privately, you and I were both I think like, I
1: kind of remember it. I think yeah. it was when, did it feel negative to you the way we responded at all? No, I don't, I like, I don't remember anything bad about that, but I think I finally kind of remembered a little bit like when I had my first girlfriend and I'm pretty sure it was, um, who's now my best friend, Sam. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah
1: it was my, my best friend, Sam, who I met, um, Funny enough, through, through a Minecraft game. Yeah. I met him through Minecraft. And um, yeah, eventually we, uh, I ended up confessing and we ended up dating for a while. And so I do kind of remember now. Come, I think coming I back. do kind of remember coming downstairs and just
0: giggling. You, yeah, you sat on the stairs and were like, I have a girlfriend. And I was just kind of like, okay.
2: Yeah. We, <laughs> so you know. who is it?
0: And you were telling me, it's Sam. Yeah. And then me being like, oh, how do you know Sam? And
2: but I know when Celeste and I talked in private, we were trying to figure out where did this come from?
0: Like, is this? How? Is it because this feels safe?
2: Yeah. So there was a lot of is questions.
0: It, you know, is there really because they're not around each other. So is it really a physical attraction right. or is it just because that's more comfortable and a lot of questions? And I'm a questioner. Like, I always want to know the why. <laughs> I want to know there the you why do but my therapist said to me is this even your question to be answering and that was important for me in that moment to realize oh this isn't my journey this is my yeah. child's journey yeah and then not too long after that is when rory started being sexually harassed at school by a pack of boys in gym class yeah yeah i honestly don't want to get too much into that just no we that's... don't need we don't need to no. but with the, with the bullying and the sexual harassment that was happening And Corey lost his job in January. Right. It was January. You lost your job. And then I think it was March when we pulled you out of school. Yeah. Because it was no longer an emotionally safe environment.
1: I honestly, one thing I like vividly still remember is walking back from getting my stuff out of my locker, like all of it and seeing my math teacher, my homeroom math teacher coming out of the classroom. And I just remember saying, have a good rest of your year. And seeing the confusion on her face as I'm smiling. (laughs) It's like one of the most vivid memories I remember. And it was, sorry, I'm a little emotional here because a lot of memories coming back. But um, that moment was a very happy moment for me because I was getting out of a place that no longer felt safe to
0: me. And I I do want to say that part of this sexual harassment came about because there was a boy that had had a crush on my child and was upset having overheard my child say that he liked boys and girls. And then they started making um, derogative slurs about same sex attraction. Yeah. And that's as far as I'll go into that because we don't need to give space to those people in that situation any more than is necessary. Yeah. Right.
1: But one thing I do want to add on is to where this also, um, I look back at it and I see it as, as getting out of it. I see as a start of my personal journey into who I am now for sure. Because not only were it, was it just, um, bullying but they were using my own name against me Mm -hmm. which hurt and i no longer felt safe being called it but i didn't know what to do because i hadn't yet really come into the um realization that wait i can go by a different name right like because i yeah i hadn't
0: yet come into that realization that i could so we broke we broke out of all sorts of cultural boxes that year yeah we did instead of Corey getting another job, which is like what you do, right? You, it doesn't matter why you lose a job or you move on from a job, you go get another job. You got a mortgage to pay. You got, you know, like all these things. I've been trying for eight years to convince my family to travel in an RV for a while. I'd wanted to do it since before Corey had retired from the air force. I thought it would be a great way to move into retirement. It still would have been awesome, but I'm okay with our journey. <laughs> the way it ended up, Right. I finally, and with what had been happening with Rory at school and we pulled him out and and Corey's finally you know what yeah let's do it so we prepped the townhouse put it on the market we sold our house very fast we pulled our kid out of public school to homeschool we'd done that off and on before so that wasn't yeah. like super weird for us no it wasn't um but instead of Corey getting a job again he used his GI bill and of course he's retired from the military so we had his military retirement and we traveled And while we were traveling, we were letting go of all sorts of the normative narrative around what life is supposed to look like. Yeah. You know, instead of framing it like, like we made a choice not to own a home. Does that make you homeless? No, we were categorized as nomads while we were just in Airbnbs bumping around. And then we bought an RV and we were traveling. And we were still nomads. (laughs) We had a home; it just was on wheels. House on wheels. Exactly. So we, we could take our
2: house wherever we wanted to.
0: Yeah, and then the social aspect for Rory was completely online at that point in time, outside yeah. of a couple people that we met on the road. But yeah, but COVID that, hit.
1: But we typically so, didn't see many people even before COVID hit. Right. We didn't typically typically stay in one place for very long. Right. For me to stick and stay stay with friends. Right. So at that point, yes, I was. Most of my um, like social interactions were online, which is how at the time that's how I was coping. With dealing with what we were
0: doing. And, right. and at the time it was still healthy. Oh yeah. It was absolutely healthy. And I think that that provided you with the opportunity to see other people that were on a similar journey. Yeah,
1: And also allowed me for, to not only like talk with them about like how their journeys were, but it gave me more information to like, and give me, gave me more room to figure out who I was. Right. And yet I hadn't met any of my friends yet were trans. None of my friends at the time had come out as trans or were trans. But like at the time, my best friend, Sam, was starting to try and go on a journey of being non-binary at the time. And so this gave me the realization, wait, I can do that? So it's then what started me on my journey. And um, like, it was actually about this time, maybe three-ish years ago when I first came out as trans.
0: Yeah. And let's start there because you came to us and you said, hey, I think I'm trans. No, you didn't say I think you said I'm trans. Yeah, <laughs> I'm really a male. And my brain exploded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's a good way to say it. Because here's my skirt wearing, makeup wearing, loving what we would call essentially girly girl as far as style at the time went.
2: I mean, it had been changing over the last. It had been year morphing, too.
0: but there was still like his makeup was on fleek, man. <laughs> you know? His makeup game was strong. It still is. And I reached out to a friend of mine who is a lesbian and had been out for a long time. And I was like, I don't understand this. This is making me crazy. And even her being, even being part of the queer community, her understanding of what trans was, was more confining than what it is. But we have yeah. to start there because she was like, well, do they wish they had a penis? And that was like this idea. Like, obviously if you're thinking you're male, it's because you want to have all the male body parts. Yeah. And that was my understanding at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And so I asked that question. I said, so do you wish you had a penis? And my kid was like, ew, gross. No, what? What?
1: Yeah. And like even still now, I do not want a penis.
0: And that I'd shook rather, all of us I'm up. Good. It did. It really did. And so and instead of identifying trans, you went to non-binary. I went to non-binary. And for about,
1: it's only about about half-ish, maybe a year. That I I've think it been, was about
0: a year that you did non-binary. About a year and a half. And then you moved to demi
1: oh no, okay. no. Well, okay. in that time of that year and a half of me doing non-binary, it wasn't just non-binary. I, I said I was just non-binary because that was easiest, but online it was me trying to figure out fully. Like I kept switching back and forth for a while. I went by gender fluid for a while. while it was gender that. queer and it kept switching like on and off between non-binary and gender queer. Cause I couldn't tell which one. I okay. Went. So
0: let's for the audience but, that might not know, what is gender fluid? Gender fluid is when, well, you don't really have just one gender. It
1: feels like you're kind of fluid. Like one day you could be wanting to be more masculine, or next you could be more feminine, or it could change throughout the day, or you could be more androgynous Like it it gender fluid is um fluid. It's fluid. It's all about <laughs> fluidity. And what is gender queer? Gender queer is very similar to non-binary, but also different at the same time. Gender queer is kind of an in-between between non-binary and agender. A-gender is when you don't have, when you feel like you don't have any gender. Non-binary is when you feel like you're not either gender.
0: But gender
1: queer is kind of an in-between of those two, if
0: that makes sense. So, Uh, like, sometimes no gender, sometimes one gender, sometimes the other gender? No, it's kind of an in-between of, like, you're not, like, you don't
1: have a gender, but at the same time you do. It's kind, I was also kind of confused by it, which is why I kept switching between non-binary and gender queer quite a bit.
0: Okay, so it's as clear as mud.
1: Yes, basically, <laughs> it's um, as queer as mud. Okay. <laughs> colorful, <yeah. laughs> but um, and then yeah, as you said, I started going by demi boy after a while, and then, and I was
0: like, what's demi boy?
1: Demi boy is, I guess, I like, can kind of again say an in between of non-binary and trans, like um, trans male, um, to where you present more masculine and all of that while still having the option to be anything else
0: in a way. So you just lean to the masculine, but aren't necessarily fully masculine.
1: Yes. Which is because I kept, I kept noticing nothing, 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 felt right. And so I started going by Demi boy and he, they to try and figure if that would help me. But after a while, it still
0: felt like it wasn't clicking. And in the meantime, we have been on a name journey.
1: Yes, I've gone by a lot of names. I'm
0: the first when you first were like, I think I might be trans, it was J. Yeah, which you pulled from your first initial of your birth gift name. Yes, you know, and I want to talk about that because, um, it's referred to by a lot of people as the dead name. Um,
1: traditionally. I don't really see, um, like, yes, most people do refer to it as a dead name. I don't really see my full birth name as the dead name. I see the nickname that was given to me from that, that had been used against me as my dead name. Because that's the one that holds the trauma for me. I gotcha. So I do still, like, I still don't prefer being called by my birth name. Yeah. And I still don't prefer really seeing it sometimes, but... I don't see it as a bad thing.
0: So let me, a lot of parents have this conversation. There's a, and especially mothers, I think, um, go through a bigger grief around the name. I don't know. Maybe it's just cause I've mostly talked to moms. Was there a lot of grief for you, Corey, around that?
2: Mostly it was a little con- just confusion, Cause Like, we gave you this cool name you can make up all these nicknames from, you know. Why don't you just do that? Because I didn't quite understand it. Because one, it wasn't even an option when I was growing up, right? I would have taken another name, like you don't, I you I don't came get up the, with a different name. You but did
0: go by different names, you went by Chris. You told me once that you're military, by Chris. Because I, did it was, go,
2: I did go by Chris in the military. Um,
0: I had taken on CJ for a while. Yeah.
2: Girl, as a teenager, I wouldn't have done it. because. But yeah,
0: not living at home.
2: My dad would have smacked me upside the head and told me to pull my head out of my ass. And, (laughs) you know, that's that's how he would have responded.
0: Well, and I just, I think culturally, because we're Gen X. And I just think culturally, they're just like, nicknames were fine. Yeah. But you didn't change your name. That was just like legally who you were. And that was it. Exactly. And so that
2: caused me just a little bit of like, not like problem, but just a brain fart. There you go. I just had to like shift my brain or it took me a little bit just to kind of like come around to just,
0: and one of my friends pointed out to me that like, yeah, you spent this loving time and energy picking out this name for your child. It's a gift and you have lovingly given this gift and they utilized it until it wasn't any serving them anymore. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that it wasn't still a beautiful gift, but like, would you want them holding on to any other gifts that you had? Like if you gave them a stuffed animal and the dog peed on it and it was got nasty yeah. smelling to them or whatever, like, would you want them to keep it? Or are you going to be so offended that they got rid of this ruined toy? Yeah. And I mean, that's simple. That is really simplitive, right? I yeah. know that that deep simplifies it, but really what it is, is you've built this expectation and the expectation isn't being met. And that's where the grief comes in. And it's okay to grieve that, but don't get stuck there. Yeah. yeah.
2: For me, what helped me realize was, well, we gave her a birth him a birth name, and now he has he's choosing his coming of age name. Like, like okay, that's cool. I can I can because
0: now when it was changing every couple of weeks, that we we, we had to put our foot (laughs) down and say, you can't get mad at us for not remembering what the name is today when four days ago it was something else.
2: Yeah, and that's it. Was it was challenging to remember, but at the same time, I I could understand because. He was trying out to figure out which one he liked, you know, trying and we
1: figure out who I was.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we have always, always, always pushed for Rory to be autonomous and independent, like given him the space and the freedom to be who he was. And so a lot of these conversations that we, Corey and I had were in the background. They weren't to Rory's face. Like when we were like, I don't, I don't see it. I don't get it. I don't, is this a me thing or is this, and it was, really for me, because I always want to ask them, why, 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 you know, and having to recognize that like, these aren't my, yes, back to my therapist first. These are not my questions to be asking. They're not my answers to find. And why can't I just be okay to sit back and release? Oh, here's that damn word control. Yeah. <laughs> or the idea of control. Cause really, do you have any control? No, no. but releasing this idea that I have any real control over. It, and why can't I just sit back and watch it unfurl? It's like watching a flower bloom or watching a plant grow or yeah. any, you know, it's beautiful in every single phase and stage. And why can't I give my child that same permission?
2: And, I, and for me, it was more, here's your space to, to grow, but I'm going to put a fence around it. Cause I don't want anybody to hurt you. And that's what yeah. I, my real concern came from was, um,
0: and that was never my, that's never been my concern.
2: I, I didn't want them to get hurt. You know, you like, want to
0: protect them from, yeah,
2: protect them from people that are going to, you know, that, that still are out there that are idiots that can't accept the, you know, their choice, you know, of being queer and they are going to want to put the them reality, down for not it. the choice. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. they're as they see it, and that's kind of how I was trying to say it, but, um, but the reality of who they are by saying, oh, you can't be that you're either male or female that, you know, you're born with it. And it's not. Well, even
0: science even science is we grew up being told that there was two ways that your chromosomes could line up and you're either male or female, but that uh, has always been an extremely simplified version of what the reality is. There's yeah. a whole spectrum of chromosomes and ways yeah. that that yeah,
2: science is really, and science has come a long way since then too. in, in that regard to show that there yeah, is
1: technology has come a long way. Yeah. And there's uh, a lot of, in a simpler way of explaining it, there's technically four different ways your chromosome can be. Actually, five, like the simplest way to explain it.
0: Like, it can be any combination. It can be of any chromosome. combination. Yeah.
1: But, like, And there's there are, a
0: spectrum for every yeah, single there combination. There's a spectrum,
1: but like, you have the biological male, biological female, but then there's also intersex. And there are actually chromosome lineups to where that's where the like physical aspect of being trans comes in because it's not just. It, it, it isn't a choice you are literally born that way right
2: well they're and, and they have
1: actually found a way to kind of prove that sometimes like people born in female bodies can have a male brain yeah because those are different well and, pl- and then you
0: have to add in hormones hormones all of that and stuff. you know everything right well, plus
2: there's th- i mean even throughout history there's been people born with both male and female genitalia yes, intersex
0: that's called mean, intersex yeah
2: i mean they've been born that way i mean so just looking at that how can you you know
0: Well, there's a lot of erasure that has erasure that has happened in in history
1: of erasure. And even now doctors still like giving the choice to the parents and
0: not to the children like half the time. Yeah. That's what it has been for most of the time. Yeah. Well, Well, it is, it still is. And to some degree that has to be because you're a minor and your brain's not fully developed, but on the flip side of that, like the culture has been shifting and we've seen a huge shift in our lifetime because Gay marriage wasn't legal until yeah. after all of that Clock, had happened. With, I don't even remember what year that happened, to be honest. Prior to that, that wasn't possible. And when we were growing up, there was no um, representation in media.
2: No. Like yeah. Ellen was, DeGeneres
0: was, came out and lost her job.
2: Yeah, it was very hidden.
0: And even so even celebrities that we see having all this power and clout had to hide who they were. Yeah. Yep. In order to be accepted by society at large. So it's not that people haven't been there this whole time. They just haven't been allowed to be who they they've are. Re- they haven't repressed. allowed to be in the light.
2: Yeah, they've been repressed. And
0: the, this is one of the gifts of the internet is really, because yeah. it has allowed people to connect with other people and say, wait a minute, I'm not the only one. And yeah. luckily for you, you have grown up in a world where that internet connection's been around for a long time, like your yeah. whole, life, the whole you know? life. And so, and people are like all these kids that are all of a sudden showing up as, as part of the queer community. And it's just, there's too many of them for it to all be real, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, uh, maybe yeah. it's about the fact that people are actually capable of saying who they are. Yeah. yeah. They're it's,
2: finally giving the rights to say who they are. And the other thing for me is somebody asked me, well, how do they know now who they are? I mean, we all change so much. And I'm like, well, so what if they change? If they come into a realization later on that, okay, that wasn't quite who I was. What does it matter? who
0: I was at that point in time. Like, let's Something go, like let's that, go right? back to the fact that I was so anti-male and right. I hated dating and then moving. It wasn't until after high school that I even had my first kiss, you know, and it still took me years before I got to a point where I was like, okay, yeah, actually I do want to be married to a man. I do want to have a child and all those things. And let's talk about that too, because from the time that Rory was teeny, teeny tiny, even though growing up in, even growing up in the beginning in a Mormon community where motherhood is what's seen for all girls, you know, and Rory would play with never with baby dolls, but with stuffed animals, I have a picture of Rory nursing a llama. But I would have been just as thrilled about that had it been a little boy. Well, I mean, it was a little boy, but had I recognized it as yeah. a little boy because I thought it was just adorable, right? But from the time that Rory was teeny tiny, he would say, I don't want to have kids myself. I don't want to have babies in my belly. I don't want to. always have- said that. If always. I have kids, I'm going to adopt them. I yeah. don't want to have a baby inside me. You
2: know, and, and I used to think, because we're pretty, I would like to think pretty open. And we, for the way we grew up, we were, and then we've changed a lot, so we're really open. But I try to think: well, how did how did because Celeste wasn't really girly girly? So how did Rory get that indoctrination of a culture? And then I realize it's all the cartoons and movies and the stuff, you know. And then your family members and
0: I, you know, I think there's some of that, but I also think that Rory loves to dress up. I do. I well, do yeah.
1: like
2: dressing Rory up costumes loves, and all that. Yeah, for sure. Loves
0: the twirl of a skirt. Rory loves like so. If he'd been born with the penis and had wanted to wear the dresses, I'd have still let him. That's how I've handled that because I've looked at that and said, if I had, I think you would have struggled.
2: I would have for sure at that point in time, right? But I,
0: I don't think that I would have. I think I would have thought it was hilarious and super cute.
2: I was still stuck in a very misogynistic. You know, mindset
0: and heteronormative, because yeah. that was the exposure that you had.
2: And and Rory's really helped me pull out of that in, I can't even explain how many ways, you know, <laughs>
0: um,
2: he's really been a good example for me and just opening my eyes,
0: you know, high heels were masculine. Yeah, well, originally.
2: So was makeup originally.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Women were not allowed to Same wear high skirts yeah. and dresses.
2: And I know it's all come 180. And
0: that's why why do we food. assign gender to fabric? Exactly. For, why do we assign specific gender style? Yeah,
2: uh, it makes no sense.
0: So the, I think the hardest part of this journey, as far as um, acceptance and Rory filling seen in our family has been around pronouns. Would you say that's accurate? Yeah. I think that's been the biggest struggle.
2: Yeah. I've, I've had a hard time with that. It's it's taken me a while.
0: It took me a bit too. I think I, it was easier for me than it was for you.
2: For sure. Um, but I think most a- of that's just how my mind works. Not that I didn't want to change or do it. Cause I did. It's just getting my mind to change
0: gears because you gears. you kind of, um, you like to live by a formula.
2: I do. Yeah. And
0: which is why the military was great for you. You like structure. <laughs> and um, I feel like it made a difference when I framed it for you and said, think of it like it's a, it's another language and you're learning what the word is in another language and right. your child is asking you to speak that language. And it seemed like something kind of shifted with that. That, that made it a lot
2: easier. And the the period where he went through they them's was hard for me.
0: Well, we grew up with that being grammatically like you got in so yeah. much trouble. They and them is only plural. They and them is yeah. only. Plural.
2: So that was hard for my mind to adjust. So it was it was a lot easier when he realized it was he him. I I can move that over. You know that easier. It was a lot easier for me.
0: So there's a really great book called How to They Them by Stuart somebody and I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a fantastic book on pronouns and I recommend it for anyone. I I don't think that you even, it doesn't have to be that you have someone in your life who is going through pronoun changes or any of those things. It's it's just a great book. And since in every episode I say, Hey, what's a great book to recommend for the listeners. I'm putting that one out there. It's my recommendation for the listeners based on this show.
1: Yeah. And honestly, even if like, I think even if someone isn't going through like the whole pronoun changes, I think it's still just good just in general to refer to people as they, them, if you can, because then you're not assuming. Right. That's, I think they, them
0: should be the default. It should
1: be because I think once that once, if we can achieve that in a society, then there is going to be a lot more acceptance around different pronouns.
0: Right. And, and with the names, Corey had this great idea when we were talking about, why are, why is the name change such a big deal? He was like, well, what if legally, like, what if there's just like your name that you have as a minor and then
2: your adult name or your coming of age name, you
0: choose your coming of age name. And that's what, then you legally get your documentation and things around. And that should And then we talked about it in this, like between the ages of 18 and 25, you have the chance to go in and file and pick the name that that you're going to have for your adult life now. Yeah. So I have a question for you, Rory. Yeah. Um, In all of this, I don't want it to sound like your dad and I've handled it perfectly because obviously we've struggled with a lot of it. (laughs) it.
1: (laughs) And still some of that is Still still happening now, but... Yeah. We're, we're human. We're human. Everyone makes mistakes. And that's like the whole thing. Right.
0: Okay. Accepting our humanity. Yes. <laughs> and that we haven't done this perfectly in all of the journey. What if you were giving advice to parents, what would you tell them you feel we did right? And what would you wish we had done better?
1: Oh, that is a rough question. Um, I guess one thing I have to say is that, um, having the understanding and compassion, as um i was going through my journey for you guys to have that like that understanding and the acceptance and compassion you guys gave me and gave me the room to explore and try and figure out who i was and who i am that's really one thing i do really appreciate because i definitely think it would have been harder if i hadn't been given that um fallback to be able to rely on you guys to be there and accept me for who I was and for how I was changing. Yeah.
2: Something I, I always hoped we were doing well and right was just loving you no matter what. I always, that's mom and I always talk. That's all we want you to know is that we love you, you know.
0: That you will always know that you are loved and that you're safe.
2: Yeah. That was our. And if you have that goal.
0: foundation, then you can do anything, I think. Yeah. Yeah. What do you wish we had handled better? Um, you're so forgiving. <laughs> I am. You really are forgiving. And I think that like that speaks to the vulnerability and things that we al- have created a safe space for in our family. So, we're not jug- we don't we're not going to feel bad by whatever you say. We know we've made some mistakes. Um, with that said, what what would you Um, we're perfect.
1: No. Just kidding. I- <laughs>
2: I think I, there was some stages in there that as he was transitioning, trying to figure out where he fell and what felt right, we kind of held him back a little bit.
0: Based on our understanding. And we talked a little bit about like not understanding what trans meant. Yeah. yeah.
2: Not, not in negative way. I don't way. know that
0: that was a, I mean, yeah, it kind of sucks that we didn't have the understanding, but we. I think we're all forgiving of ourselves for that. But then also I think that it was a healthy journey for you to go on to try on the different labels and things to see what fit and
2: oh yeah for yeah, sure
0: works for you. So in picking the names, I remember one of the names that you tried you wanted to try on for a while was the name of one of my uncles that died by suicide. Yeah. And we had a big conversation around that where I told you how it like what it made me feel. That it was something that hearing that name has a space of gr- deep grief in my heart. And I said, I'm not telling you I won't do this. And we had this conversation around a couple of things yeah. where I said, I'm not telling you I won't, but I need you to understand the ask and to say, yes, this is worth that ask. Yeah. And, um, I guess in talking with other people, do you feel like that was a good way to frame it and to have those deep conversations Um, in that way? Yeah,
1: I think it was,
0: I know it was really hard for you. It was hard.
1: It was hard because at the time I really thought that might've been the name that fit me. And that would have been me. And I look back, I think it might've, it still could have been had I been able to do it. But I also realize now that I have come to a name
0: that I do really, really enjoy. And I love going by and, um. And honestly, if, if you had tried others on and you had said, none of these fit, I need that name. I would have worked through my shit to handle it. Yeah. Right. But it was important for me to let you know what you were asking me to work through in order yeah. to do that. And again, not saying I wouldn't have, but I think that it's healthy to have a conversation around those things and say, here's why this would be really difficult for me. Same thing with, for a while you were trying on it pronoun pronoun.
1: It, it's pronouns. Yeah, yeah. It,
0: it's pronouns. And I told you it feels so dehumanizing to me talking about and and I've done more research around it and stuff since then. But part of it is just having been through the women's rights, like so much with the women's rights movement. And even now, as we are looking at overturning of Roe versus Wade and women's rights are still being attacked, you know, and then looking at the way that, um, gender rights are being attacked all over the place and the civil rights movement. And for me, and I get like sometimes taking something that other people's use to dehumanize and embracing it is empowering. And other times it's just because it, what feels right for people. So I don't want to diminish those in any way, but where I was coming from is this, like people have been fighting so hard to be seen as human. Yeah. And again, if you need me to handle my framework around that, I'm going to do it. But this is why I don't want to. This is yeah. why it doesn't feel good to me. And like, I've really understood that, which is why I haven't
1: asked you to try and use those pronouns, even though even still so now, I still would like to use
0: both he, him and it, it's. And is it okay that I use the he, him instead of the it, it's? Yes.
1: I'm not asking you to try and use the it, it's because I do understand that it is harder to try and um, get that into a place where it's easier to um, use and like deal with because that is much harder of a ask that is not much harder of an ask which is by outside of people around my age and who are in the very similar situations with me like how I am with understanding like how that can like feel like it fits me yeah I don't use it outside of
0: those types of people And if it, if that ever changes for you and you need me to, like I said, I'll handle my shit and get there because I will show up for you. Yeah. It might be a big ask for me. And I've already moved through a lot of that. Like I've already been doing more research around it and trying to understand why, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm not at all upset or offended or anything. If if I were to see you label those pronouns and things, but I think the biggest thing is just being willing to have the conversations. Yeah. And I know that even with your dad and I being as understanding as we have been, it's still been scary for you each step of the way.
1: Yeah. It has been profusely um, frightening with having to keep trying
0: to um,
1: explain and show how I'm feeling with how my with how I'm trying to identify and um, all of that. It has been scary because that's, even with how I was growing up, even before, I've only really been introduced to the queer community since I was, what, 12, 13, right. and I'm 16, Right. That's not very long. Right. So even for me, it is quite terrifying. Right. To try and still for to start try and still step out of that heteronormative not quite a box but that heteronormative
0: situation. Right. I was in for so long of my life. Right. And I and that's not because we aren't loving and accepting of the community, but we oh, didn't have a lot of friends that were. Either part of the queer community or willing to openly talk about being part of the queer community. No, we do have some of those people, but they also don't live here because we yeah. have been moving around. We hadn't built a big foundation here. And since you have started your journey, you now have two uncles that are out as trans. Yeah. And but that's also been in the last several that years. Has been. We have really good friends that are some of the best friends that we hang out with, where the couple is. A queer couple and Mm -hmm. one of them is trans. Yeah. And I mean, we're definitely, and we have sought out spaces where the LGBTQ community is safe and welcome. Yeah. The homeschool group that we're part of is secular, so that we're not bringing any orthodox religious teachings into even the influence of the sphere of people that we're hanging out with on the regular. Yeah. And there's a lot of kids in our homeschool group that are part of the queer community. A lot of them. And I love it. Yeah. So I think this is a good place for us to kind of wrap yeah, up. Yeah, I think like, it is. So right now, do you want to tell people where you are with how you identify, just for clarity? Yeah, yeah. with
1: um, with how I identify, I identify as a simplest way to put it without going into each and every individual term. <laughs> um, I identify mainly as a gay trans man. All right. And he, him, or its pronouns
0: for those who are willing to use it. But yeah. We love every color of your rainbow, (laughs) (laughs) however it shows up, whenever it shows up. Yeah.
2: Because you're amazing.
0: So amazing. And you've given us space to grow and be better humans. And we love you for it. (laughs) (laughs) Anything else you would like to share,
2: Corey? I think it's just been a crazy journey and it's been awesome.
0: Crazy bad, crazy good.
2: Good. Because it's really stretched us. Um, It's really helped me grow to to see more of people and,
0: and what do you mean by that? Not,
2: not putting people with inside labels yeah, with inside boxes, you know, but seeing just who they are,
0: less judgment.
2: Yeah. yeah. And, and that's been great. And that's something that Rory has helped me find and I wouldn't have probably gone as far without him, you know? Yeah. And that's why I think he's amazing and it's been good for us.
0: Yeah, The best. <laughs> Any last words you want to share with our listeners, Rory, or any thoughts or anything? Mm -hmm.
1: One thing I do want to say to any of the uh, queer people around my age who aren't quite the best at taking care of themselves, hydrate or die straight. (laughs)
2: That's good. I like that.
0: (laughs) That's a great place to end. (laughs) Whew. This life is packed.